0: this is episode thirty three zero,
1: the big 30
0: of the flix watcher podcast over there is helen
1: and over there is kobe
0: welcome enjoy and see you on the other side on this episode of flix watcher we'll be talking about hunt for the wilder people with will and joe from exploding helicopter podcast so imdb gave this an average rating of 7.9 Rotten Tomatoes gives it 97% fresh. But guys, stay tuned for the only score that matters. And that is, of course, the FlixWatcher rating.
1: find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. There will be spoilers and bad language. You have been warned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So all films were available on Netflix at a time recording, guys.
1: Do you want a professional sounding podcast as professional as FlixWatcherPod? If you do, we recommend that you check out GL Productions. They're responsible for uh, editing and production. They're also going to give you a welcome package, 10% discount. If you're interested, email podcast at glpro.co.uk, send them the message that FlixWatcherPod sent you and they'll give you 10% off your first package. Hello and welcome to this edition of Flix Watcher Pod. Um, Again, we've been reading through your wonderful reviews on iTunes. As always, please do leave us a review. We do enjoy reading them. This one I particularly enjoyed from Retired Cynic, who says, I don't have Netflix, but find this podcast very informative and unbiased discussion. (laughs) So this is a four-star review from someone who doesn't even have Netflix and they're listening to us. So thank you, Retired Cynic.
0: Well, Thank you very much.
1: Today we are joined by Joe and Will. Do you want to say hello and uh, tell us where we can find you?
0: A couple of employed cynics, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm a professional cynic. Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely the best label for me. Hi, I'm Will, and I run Exploding Helicopter, which is a website and podcast dedicated to celebrating films, or well, dedicated to celebrating helicopter explosions in films. So it's my favourite action movie trope although they do crop up in other non-action movies but yeah my favorite movie trope and uh, on the uh, on the podcast on the website we like to take a look at film with one in spend a little bit of time looking at the uh, often bizarre ways they have exploded and yeah give our professional opinions on the uh, chopper fireball that we witness
1: so it's quite an in you go into quite depth about the the explosion and whether you can see it on screen so it isn't just saying there's a helicopter it explodes at the end it's it is really in-depth discussion which i admit i was quite surprised about initially <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're talking about the lead up into the into the explosion and what manifests out of it what happens as a result of and the... what
1: makes a good explosion as well yeah. and yeah it's there's a lot to think about absolutely
3: and we're joined with joe who's a part-time sidekick on on the show, absolutely. I'm I'm there to to try and argue with Will over the merits of certain films, which which may well happen today. We will. We'll you, you argue it. with me very successfully, Joe. Thank you. So, what are the which which are the certain films you've been on on the show with? So the the very first edition of the podcast, which was the James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Probably one of one of Roger Moore's great films. That I think we we agreed. A lot of competition <laughs> best, in that list. <laughs> one of the one of the best ones, and also the the first Matrix film, where there's a, a particularly good chopper fireball explosion, followed by a ripple in a building that mm-hmm. we uh, we look into in, in greater detail. Angels and Demons, which frankly is one of the worst films i think <laughs> i think i've seen and the surprisingly good capricorn one which i'm not sure if it's still on netflix but and was it on there at some point it was on at some point okay. i think Um yeah surprisingly enjoyable people should check that out if if they come across it well, cool so we're here today
0: guys to talk about Hunt for the Wilderpeople, people the taika waititi film, the Kiwi Kiwi comic director associated with the guys from Flight Flights of the Concords. You chose this show. Why did you choose it? What happened? And lead us off in the in
3: the chat. Yeah, I, I chose this uh, this this film came out in 2016 and I thought it was I thought it was a really charming film. I think it's got a very simple story, um two characters that are having great fun on screen and have really good chemistry. I think it. I think it flows well. It's chunked up into into ten ten quite short chapters. It's not a particularly long film, and yeah, I think I'm a I'm a fan of OITI's the previous work. So the uh, film, what we do in the shadows in particular, I, I, yeah, I really fans. really enjoyed and was was really looking forward to this when it came out, and yeah, I uh, particularly enjoyed it. So the uh, the film is about troubled orphan orphan Ricky Baker, who is described by child welfare in New Zealand as a a real bad egg. Uh, He is delivered to a new foster home to a very enthusiastic and slightly eccentric Bella and her reluctant husband, Heck. He tries to escape early on, but uh, eventually adjusts to his new surroundings. But after an unfortunate set of circumstances, he and Heck end up on the run from the Kiwi authorities as they aim to hide out on a a rather long, long stay out in the wild in New Zealand. Nice. That's a good summary. Yeah. So what were your thoughts about it? Really enjoyed it. Sam Neill, who plays Heck, and the troubled orphan Ricky, played by Julian Dennison, have really good chemistry on, on screen. I think they are really, really fun to watch. And it's... It's a very, it's a very sort of quirky film. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think I was, I was sort of reminded a little bit of, possibly, possibly something like Wes Anderson's yeah. Moonrise *Kingdom* when I when I watched it. And I think it, I think he has, uh, see has a has a certain style that I think is, is very Kiwi in it, in sort of in approach. It's very sort of similar to the type of humor that you would see in like *The Concords, that that sort of thing, and. Yeah, I think it's just a really... It's a really easy to watch and quite a quite a charming film. And was probably actually my my film of 2016 as well. Oh,
1: wow. I think it was mine as well.
0: That high up there? Yeah. I I had Kubo and the Two Strings. But that's that's an animation which... You, you don't watch animations, do you, Will? I never watch animations. <laughs> you are missing out <laughs> I've on ruled some them great out films. of my life, completely. What did you think of Hunt for the Wilder People, Will? Well,
2: I... I did enjoy this film. I found it. I thought it was amusing. I thought it was very enjoyable.
0: But I'm gonna, I'm gonna strike. We're gonna, I'm gonna start striking. Before, before we go into soliloquy, I'd like to emphasize. I'd like to stress that you are consistently the harshest critic that myself and Helen know. uh, Consistently going against the grain on films that are critically and fan lauded, aren't you? As a, I do seem. I
2: do seem to have that (laughs) reputation. Part of it is perhaps natural contrarianism. Part of it is just like <laughs> these are my real opinions. I'm not making. I'm not making it up. So this
3: is what, actually what I think.
2: <laughs> I mean, I did. This is a. This is a really enjoyable film. It is really amusing, uh, but it's it's a bit so what. It's I found it ultimately kind of a bit sort of disposable really and. I think it it has some really interesting characters and puts a set, there's a really interesting setup here, but I think it then just sort of fritters that away with you know kind of actually quite lightweight sort of comedic skits. so it is as I say, you know I enjoyed watching it uh, again for this for this podcast, yeah. but it really just the viewing just really just reinforced that opinion that this is actually quite a lightweight
0: work yeah quite quite a strong stance there isn't it
1: it is i mean i'm also kind of glad that you've come on and sort of said yeah it's all right because otherwise it would just be us for going oh, It's really the best yeah. thing ever. so it's, it is good to to have a um an alternative voice for it she um, says through gritted
3: teeth
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I i loved it i think it's really sweet i think it's really funny i think it's really charming and i kind of do you see what you're saying that you know there is a lot of there are in New Zealand, there are a lot of problems with sort of children being in this situation and kind of making light of it does make it into a little bit of a throwaway thing. But I also think it's kind of sort of, I don't know. I just think it's really, really sweet and there's nothing bad about it. And I think it's quite a nice sort of film to escape into when, you know, the world as we know it at the moment is currently just so bad and insane and crazy that we kind of all want to maybe vanish into ricky baker's world where you know there's a really sweet scene where he's listening to imaginary music <laughs> in his head and and dancing around like sometimes you know i kind of want to go into that little world of ricky baker sometimes and you just want to run from... off
2: deep into a forest and escape yeah. brexit and trump and yeah. yeah whatever other ills are going to befall That's the it, world maybe
1: i also point out i am I, um, I was sort of doing a bit of research it's actually based on a book by uh, barry crump yeah it's kind of explains the the, the chapters of that, and I think it's quite faithful to the um, the source there.
0: No, well, the book is supposed to be completely this book is not supposed to be a comedy in any way, shape, or form, it's not a, a humorous book from what I understand. Oh, really? No, oh. so it's, it's this is completely Taika Waititi's take on on this story. I can't remember the book's name, it's something like Tossed Salad and Scrambled oh, Eggs.
1: Yeah, it's wild pork and watercress. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: it's, so the, it's not the phrase, it, not yeah. the phrase of <laughs> the theme tune, but that's what I had in my head. <laughs> what I'm having late of a dinner. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> this was, yeah, this was one of my films of last year. wasn't the highest, but, and I think that's mainly because I didn't think it's, it didn't hit me in the same way as once what we do in the shadows. And that shouldn't really be a detriment against it. But it's, I think the the word that you guys both used was charming. And I think that's really wraps it up in in and how I feel about it. I think it's just delightful to watch. I could watch it Many many times, and the relationship between Ricky Baker and and Uncle Heck, I think, is the kind of ultimate odd couple pairing, isn't it? Heck kind of begrudgingly tries to save Ricky, and due to Ricky pissing him off, he actually breaks his leg, and that forces them into a relationship where they actually grow to appreciate each other's company in the in a way that you wouldn't have expected at the start of the film, because you know Ricky's taking a piss out of Heck for not being able to read. Heck is completely not plus that he's in existence and in his world and could happily live without him. And towards the end, at the end of the film, you see him, Uncle Heck coming to live with Ricky in, the, in his new adopted home. And I think it's such a nice kind of sweet way that it, it all ends and it all ties together.
3: Well, they're both forced into those sort of circumstances, not of, their, not of their own making. And that's where you sort of see the character development really progress and those initial scenes where where sam neil and julian dennison are having to having to react for the first time like they are they are cold you can quite (laughs) clearly see that sam neil's character heck just is really upset that this inconvenience has sort of been thrown into into his life it's quite clearly his his wife's sort of choice to sort of foster the kid and like I, th- I think maybe like her her first sort of line addressing her was like oh you can you can call you can call him uncle and he's just like straight off like, no, he can't <laughs> not like yeah so it's it's really it's really sort of it starts off very cool, but you can see sort of that that real development, and as you say by the end of it that it does feel like those sort of wars have been like quite convincingly brought down, yeah.
2: But you say development. I actually think that for me is the main problem I have with this film. I don't think there is actually much character sort of development. So you have Ricky, who is this juvenile delinquent who has these ridiculous delusions of being a gangster, you know, he's from a broken home. You have uh, heck who's this gruff loner, this sort of expert outdoorsman and you kind of expect them, you know, so as, as, as we're saying that they're kind of classic odd couple mm-hmm. and so it's a sort of classic setup where they will actually sort of learn from each other. And I don't actually think they learn that much from each other. They kind of, they sort of get along better. They become friends by the end of the film. But there's not really any any sort of, I don't think, lessons learned here or growth here in them as people. And so, so for me, that's why... I think this film sort of fritters away, it, you know, its interesting premise. On okay, let's let's have you know a funny scene here about you know kind of you know riffing off, I don't know, riffing off paedophilia as as we find out in one scene. <laughs> but.
0: but I don't know. I think you've been a bit harsh. I think Julian Dennison's character does particularly have a, a bit more of an arc, um, and I, I guess maybe Heck just has has a softening in his heart for mm. for someone, but Julian's come. What's his arc? His his arc is, I've, I've lost my wife and now I do realise I do care for things. So outside. that's Hex, but yeah, what, that's well, Hex. Rick, what's Ricky? So Ricky is, well, I, I can kind of see where you're saying that his arc isn't that pronounced, but because his delinquency is always kind of entrenched in humour, isn't it? Right from the start, it's like he's a delinquent, but, you know, he's, he's a cute one with it. He's not really doing anything that any other kid wouldn't do. Apart from the fact that there's that story where he finds out his friend was potentially molested and then she ended up dead which is kind of like a random book that's a bit of a dark scene in the film but then he grows to appreciate people and respect and realizes that maybe being a gangster isn't number one on his mind and but he's not really
2: he's not a real i don't think that he comes across as somebody who's really going to be in the
0: gangster life is oh it? no not at all
1: so but that's, that's so kind then... of the humor though isn't yeah. it because obviously here's a kid who is clearly never ever going to be a gangster he knows it <laughs> everyone knows it but he's still trying to convince everyone that that you know he is this hard kid and that you know he really does love thug life and, yeah you know <laughs> who's, who's Tupac tree. he's my best <laughs> friend yeah, <laughs> uh, the things he's into when clearly it isn't. He's into hot water bottles and <laughs> security and having this. And it is it a ridiculous birthday song. Yeah, yes. a, an amazing birthday song, best birthday song ever. That's really what he wants, and that's what he's wanted all along. But he's kind of put on this act. So I don't, it's not, you know, it's not really profound. And his arc, you know, is kind of like a bump, isn't it, really? But I didn't mind that at all. I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the... Slightly bizarre road trip that kind of goes a little bit in a circle for a bit in the in the middle part, but I I I can't I don't want to look too far into it because if you do then you kind of go well yeah it is just basically a series of f- funny sketches maybe that would work in a kind of sketch show environment maybe and I think if you try and look in too deep and try and like fill in the gaps or try and make the characters more than they are then that's when you start to think, oh, maybe it's not as good. So I'm quite happy just enjoying it for the silly songs. And the. the, the there are some really, really funny bits, like the bit with, with the, was it with the eel?
0: Yeah, the eel where, <gasps> where, where he goes, out. well, Ricky Baker goes out hun- hunting and can't find anything. So Heck comes back, produces the eel, and heck who's been sitting around with broken a broken event. leg yeah.
3: for, for quite some time and goes yeah. down
0: to the river produces an eel and ricky baker's face he has this he pulls a face a couple of times which i think i've tried to, i've tried to in the mirror i don't know why <laughs> but I, <laughs> I couldn't do it and, I, and that's when i kind of applauded him i was like yeah that's a great that's a great face and then the next line is i've never eaten and i've never eaten a slug before and it's just it's, yeah it's really good <laughs> it's really good, guys. Yeah, Real, yeah um, I mean,
2: I guess I'm criticizing the film for yeah. not doing something which the film never actually tries to do. Okay. So, in some ways, it is an unfair criticism because the film isn't trying to have this sort of, like, I don't know, deep moment of catharsis for for his characters. its characters. It never tries to do that. So, you know, why? How can how can I how can I criticize it for for failing to do that? But I, as I say, I, I don't know. For me, it just seemed. I, I, it just seemed okay really you're kind of setting it up this way and then that's all you do with it so i i kind of i can i take your point helen about saying <laughs> but equally i i stand by my own
0: <laughs> there are some really good lines and really good scenes and things like that aren't there
1: there's a bit i really enjoy when reese Darby, they're yeah. in reese Darby's caravan <laughs> and, and he's cooking something on the pot and it's still alive, and you can just kind of see it in there. And it's oh, I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. It's bit. like still alive and slightly. It's like a vole or something in there, and you just, <laughs> just turning it around, and this like little vole thing's kind of moving in the pot. And just little things like that, I find really, really funny. <laughs> so that was a bit I enjoyed quite a lot.
3: You've so, actually touched upon like th- the, bit you the didn't like the one bit that I didn't that I didn't really like, and. While I I really enjoy this film, it's even on the rewatch. I, I just I knew I wasn't really looking forward to it. Was the was the bit with the restarby. I I could have probably done one that in the Film. It just seemed like a bit of a bit of a random thing to throw in quite late. Given given that the the characters involved had been so like refined to just just to sort of the Sam Neill and Julian Dennison on screen. I mean, it's it's probably like what fifteen twenty minutes from the end that like the that he. That Riz Darby sort of comes in there, and I thought it was quite a for somebody that sort of is given quite a lot of screen time in those sort of in those minutes. I thought it was just a, a bit of an odd thing to throw in. And Riz Darby is is an actor that, like, I I really like him in Flight of the Concords, but I have seen other things that he has been in that I I haven't particularly in, enjoyed his performance, and that would be that would be one of them for me. He was in what we do in the shadows.
0: As one of the werewolves. werewolves, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, and I, I, I thought that was okay, but yeah.
0: And he's also—he's got his own series on Netflix called Short Poppies, which I have, I
3: have seen, and it's a bit too much Ristavi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: he's he's there, you Well, he's obviously there because they're they buddies. I mean, he's there to shift it into that third act where the chase has to Happen. become a little bit faster. Yeah. And to you know move it into that area so he's i guess he's there in the story for that reason but it's not my favorite bit. but i did like the creature that he's cooking <laughs> which, <laughs> I which i had not noticed which that, you, so I'm, game, I'm gonna to definitely look, out, look for... out
3: for that on the rewatch
1: so uh, he's he's there it's not really anything that i i went oh my god the you know he's really great in it for that bit but, but yeah he, the, it is a, a three-act film really i mean you've got the the start where he's getting to know his new family which bella is great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have cat, cat obsessed.
0: You've talked about Rhys Darby's the, as the weakest character but I think generally as a characterization piece everyone there has, has got something there that they have, even the short scene with Taika Waititi himself at the funeral. Which is very amusing. Really? And very,
2: and very awkward. Very awkward. That is a terrible scene. <laughs> That's one of the worst scenes in the film for my view. And I think that that scene is for me an example of uh, of another kind of criticism i'd make of this film is that it it tries on occasion too hard for quirk and that scene i think it's trying too hard for quirk There's another scene. There's the, where they're taking the self the selfies on, on the on the phone with uh you know, Ricky turns up at this house, and by now he's he's famous. He's are. a famous outlaw, and so this this guy sort of the, the owner of the house sort of turns up, and he's you know he's just desperate for selfies, and so there's a sort of sequence where they take multiple variants of selfie, and it's just like oh, this is, is this it's not funny. It's not advancing the plot. It's just.
0: Trying too well, that's, hard to be that's, funny. That's Ricky bonding with his future adopted father.
2: Uh, I guess so. But it's <laughs> it, quite it, an it important just, plot point. It just yeah. yeah, aggravated me. <laughs> really? I mean, I've taken you, I've taken <laughs> selfies with lots of people. I don't haven't moved in with them.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to take if if if, if there was a kid on a run came <laughs> to your house that was famous and you took a selfie with them, has that situation happened to you yet? Not yet, but I'm I'm thinking it could happen like I, any day now. <laughs> but i i don't know there's a lot of scenes in there i think it was just really there's a a lot of really subtle scenes like the the child protection agent which i think at the start where she's she's paula hall paula hall and no child left behind behind, no child left behind (laughs) no child left behind why are you saying that again and and her dumb cop friend that yeah we need to call the police in i am the police (laughs) It's just there's just really cool kind of chemistry between a lot of different people and
1: It's very silly. When you, it's the
3: absurd it's, like silly. overreaction yeah. to the whole situation. If you play she's she's treating this like a manhunt for the for the kids, really. Like you, she's she has really got it in for Ricky and
1: After his suicide attempt, which they rule out eventually, <laughs> it wasn't suicide. This isn't
3: Ricky Baker. This isn't a good advert for New Zealand social services, is it? <laughs> But a lot of the a lot of stuff that Y T involved in does sort of poke fun at like New Zealand life and the perhaps like the particularly like how backward New Zealand tends to be perceived. Like when you sort of have like the the old sort of style technology like on screen, I think there's like. You have like this this thing called Stingray that's like the the like, homing, <laughs> tracking. Ser- tracking service for the mobile phone and yeah. it looks as though it's like come up on a BBC computer. And like you have the old like Cadbury's Flake ad as though that would be something that would be airing on, on modern television mm-hmm. sort of playing and oh, yeah. It's, he he's ha- has a certain way that I think sort of a, like self-deprecating comedy that I think people can appreciate. And the characters
2: are drawn brilliantly. Mm. Like we've we've talk, we've spoken about a lot of the great characters in here, and I think Bella is a fantastic character. And I was yeah. really sad that she exits the film so early. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's she's brilliant. I'd love to spend a bit more time with her.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say here that it, apparently it's the highest-grossing New Zealand film made. Yeah,
3: it is, and for the reason being that Lord of the Rings does Doesn't not count, count in the yeah. in the way that that's been calculated. I think for. I don't know. Is it, it's, sometimes it's, it's where
1: the in, I don't, maybe involvement. It's not.
3: Yeah, sometimes even. it's where the
0: producers come from. Although, though like Peter Jackson's... is is, is Kiwi, yeah. Isn't yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Anyway, I I think we should give let this have oh, the yeah. highest grossing <laughs> yeah. New Zealand film ever. That, that's what I was going to really. talk
0: about. Just Taika Waititi and and Kiwi films in general and the Kiwi kind of sensibility and, and mindset. It is kind of it does seem to be kind of driven by him and the flight of the Concords, but. That's not a bad group of people to be in, I
3: guess. There's not pro- at all, and I think actually, like his his work, I think has been really, really quite watchable. And like you mentioned, what we do in the shadows previously, the other film that perhaps is sort of less well known is Eagle versus Shark, yeah, which I think is also a really good with, with Jemaine Clement indeed, and a couple of the couple of the actors that are in Hunt for the World of People, I think, also sort of appear in that. So the the character that plays Paula Hall from the Department of Child Welfare. Sort of what yeah, one of the sort of ooh, in one of the families, I think in Eagle vs. Shark. And no, I th- I think he's here's the director is sort of coming up to some interesting things as well. And that he well, is he's got he's Thor, got the next Thor film, yeah, which, yeah, which comes out later this year. Um, um I don't think
2: that's going to end well because well, this is a guy who makes like highly personal quirky films and now he's going to be fed into the marvel sausage machine (laughs) you know there's probably going to be two gags that are vaguely in his cinematic kind of universe left in the film and I, i i it perplexes me that these studios kind of i think it's vanity that they go out and hire these kind of very idiosyncratic directors plug them into their big ecosystem yeah big ecosystem and they don't really get anything that remotely resembles
0: are you are you referencing, I guess, here the kind of Edgar Wright Ant-Man I, I enjoyed
1: Ant Man though. I, I loved Ant Man, I thought it was
3: great. It wasn't the film um, that he wanted to Yeah, but to it wasn't make, Edgar yeah.
0: Wright that helmed it
3: ultimately, is the point. But I, 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 I Kenneth Branner, I suppose, was did the first, first, first door, door film. So there's there's some sort of Well they've got this track record,
2: but I don't see well what's the what's the point in getting these people to direct these films. So you had somebody like I think it's was is it Gareth Edwards who made the Godzilla film? Yeah. Now Monsters was, you know, his kind of film he he's calling card for that which was really, like, so, great character, subtle character study. The special effects in it that he kind of, everyone went, like, do lally over that he did on his laptop in his bedroom. They're not, they're not, they play no part in the film. They are no part of no. what makes that film good. It's his ability to work, like, with a, a couple of... Is. Yeah, relationships. And so why 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 make it... Why, why give him Godzilla? <laughs> you know, let him make you know, these sorts of relationship dramas. Like, it's bizarre why, so I'll say, th- I, it's like Studio Vanity. They go out and hire these these kind of directors that make them feel good, that they've got an artist working for them. And then they just get something that, you know, go and get
0: Michael Bay. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. no. You, you got that totally wrong. But then you have James Gunn, who helmed Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know his uh, previous
2: work. Well, he so. was. Well, was a very big fan of Guardians. I didn't <laughs> like that film, but we don't need to have that conversation. Well,
0: either. it's not, but it's it's that it's that kind of. Although Guardians of the Galaxy was the first in that light lineage of, I guess, Marvel films, whereas this Thor three one, the Thor series, I guess, has probably been the driest of the of the films. So I'm not sure. I'm interested to see what kind of impact he has, if any, and I I do carry your concerns with it. But that also intrigues me more, I guess, than more of the... I'm a big Marvel Films fan, but I think I'm really intrigued as to see what Taika can do with it, what he's allowed to do with it. Is he going to be doing the script as well? Or is he just directing? Oh, I don't
2: know. Because I think that might, because you know, something like
1: maybe he'll do like a documentary, he'll turn it into that'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. with Thor, hanging hanging with Thor. You know. There has there, is, there worth is sitting there like washing his pants. There, his, is... So <laughs> the, there is the
0: that, there is that there is that there is the behind the scenes with Thor on, on YouTube at the moment. Genuinely directed by Taika Waititi, so I'll I'll send you a link to it later on.
1: Okay, I'll see that. I just like to point out we've not mentioned yet how great it is to have Sab Neil back on foot cinema. I haven't really seen him for a while and... I think this is a I great remember him role for him. In
0: Jurassic Park, and then that was it.
1: Exactly. I mean, <laughs> he's just been obviously growing his beard since then. And
3: he's heavily invested in his wine industry in in, in New Zealand. Oh, really? So he lives in um was on holiday last year, sort of near to where where he lives, which is in central Otago on the South Island of New Zealand. And yeah, he's you can go to his uh his wine website and it's it's basically a series of pictures with him just Holding some wine in like <laughs> poses. This is what he's do- doing now. It's his and main like job. This, yeah. But Ex- it was- excellent, Sam Neil trivia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was the last film he has been in though? He was in Event Horizon. Know. Was he in? Is that somewhere? Maybe.
1: Else? I mean, that was like so twenty recent, years I know, yeah. 1998. I
2: mean, he's worked solidly, but I mean, in nothing that is terribly like big stuff. I mean, oh, he- I
1: guess he was he was in Peaky Blindness, wasn't he?
0: Which is an odd choice as well a Kiwi actor to come over to do a British film based Mm. in in Birmingham. Maybe there was a wine (laughs)
1: festival or something (laughs) I
2: wanted to go to.
1: Those vineyards in Birmingham must be seen.
0: Guys, can you hear that crunching? That means it's popcorn time. And we'd love to say thank you for providing popcorn for the show and for you guys here at Flix Watcher Podcast this is this is popcorn this is popcorn from the popcorn shed tell us a bit about popcorn shed Helen
1: Popcorn shed makes popcorn from secret family recipes although the ingredients are on the back so you can see what the ingredients are but it's suitable for vegetarians and gluten free which is always an excellent thing
0: Yeah but that makes it sound like it's untasty which is the opposite of what it is it's super tasty hold on I'm going to I'm going to try some
1: oh. very 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 delicious This is salted caramel that we're enjoying. It is salty
0: and it's caramelly and it's tasty. Sam and Laura make the popcorn in their own big pans in a shed. And that's why it's called Popcorn Shed. Go and visit them, guys, at popcornshed.com. You can find out where to get it because it's so tasty you need to try it.
1: Mmm. Mmm.
0: I think, yeah, should we score at a time yeah. yeah let's go to the scores
1: we have our own scoring system A scoring system is like no other
0: the scoring algorithm the flex watcher scoring algorithm i'm going to make it like a google do you regret setting up this scoring system not at all
2: every time the your shows come to this part of the podcast i kind of think i w- i bet they sit there wishing well, you know what i wish we could drop this part of the. <laughs> not, this, not at all this
1: is the fun bit yeah, this, this, is. Is, <laughs> this is where the magic of spreadsheets come into the true <laughs> into
0: film and i think this is why could you post the link to your cell formulas later <laughs> i can't this is i've been developing these for years what's this this podcast has been like two years in the making and <laughs> the final piece in the jigsaw puzzle was working out how this formula <laughs> would work so it's interesting to see how actually people react to it because some people yes. really like like how it works and
1: some do not know. <laughs> at all but first up the ever popular recommendability <laughs> score. Yeah, I can say it now.
0: You can say it now. Well done. After 10x episodes.
1: Yeah, it is a word.
0: <laughs> it, it is a word. Not a word. It's a word.
3: Joe, I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah. I I think this is really recommendable. I I personally think that you can you can sort of have a a strong sort of like of, of like any particular genre of film, and I think I would still recommend this film to you to watch and 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 for the most part i think people will enjoy it so i'm giving it a five well i'm
2: gonna give it a four it is a really enjoyable film despite the criticisms
1: (laughs) and problems (laughs) i have with it helen it's an obvious five you should watch this. i mean it's nice that i mean it only came out yes last year so it's a really new film on Netflix. So it's one that's probably not even been to some people's cinema. So it, it is quite nice for them to have something that's so recent yeah. on there. So yeah, five. Watch it now. This weekend. Do it.
0: I'm a five as well, and I think it's it's really cool. This is the kind of film that should be kind of championed on Netflix in that it would have had a short and limited cinema run and but there would have been a fair bit of buzz about it. But people a lot of people would simply not have had the chance to get around to see it. And yeah, that's exactly why Netflix should exist and yeah five stars five reco- five recommendability scores and repeat viewing score to joe
3: i'm gonna give this a i'm gonna give it a four i i think i think it's a really really good film this is probably the the third time in about six months that i've watched it so <laughs> i I, th- I think i i might struggle to live, like watch it like in the next like Six Which months again, but I I will we'll definitely keep view, repeat viewing it, but perhaps not as frequently as us others. Will? I'm going to give it a two. I, I probably am
2: never going to watch this film again. Yeah, I just don't see it really happening. It may do, <laughs> but I think the odds are low.
0: <laughs> Helen?
1: A four. I, I did see the cinema. It was lovely to see it on... Oh, that's the next one. But it was lovely to have a collective... Audience laughing along and that kind of spirit, and I enjoyed watching it again. And I'm not going to watch it this week, but I w- I will watch it again.
0: Yeah, I think three three and a half. I yeah, seeing it twice. I think twice in six months. Cause I saw it in the cinema. It's not been that long since it came out of the cinema and on Netflix. I think there's a few other things I want to watch, and I think I'd rather go back and watch Eagle versus Shark and boy which is i've never seen boy actually you've talked about I, it before no i've not seen that one uh, yeah so i've not seen boy which is tiger's other film and what yeah what we're in the shadows i think before watching this again so what did i say 3.5 you did yeah 3.5 small screen score joe
3: i'm gonna give this 3.5 and i i saw it in the cinema first time around and again on the small screen i think I think for people people that haven't seen it on the big screen, it probably won't be an issue. But I personally really thought that some of the some of the shots like the the three sixty sort of montage sequences that they have in the forest, I think they worked really well on on sort of big screen and perhaps you perhaps don't sort of consider them to be sort of as as amazing sort of watching it on the small small screen. So yeah, I think that's that's what I give it. William. I'd give it a four. I think you could watch this film on on a
2: laptop, on your phone, on your TV. I don't think it necessarily loses anything on any of those different environments. So I think four is fine. Yeah,
1: a four again. I mean, I enjoyed seeing it at the cinema. It was nice. And, you know, there is the New Zealand landscape is gorgeous. So It's always nice to watch things like that. But it is fairly nice. Friday night, get some beers in watch this maybe double billet with another one of his films and yeah it's
0: great 3.75 i reckon
1: (laughs) (laughs) and how did it drop
0: the 1.25 yeah i think i don't know there's no need i don't think it needs to be in the cinema but i don't know i just it's just kind of a gut instinct this this kind of score i can't think of anything else to say on that really
1: it's, but t- it's really good for watch- Trust watching. Your feelings, yeah. Trust your feelings, Kobe.
0: Crystal 3.75. <laughs> I'm going for 3.7. I don't know. I just. I, I did enjoy it in the cinema. I think the, the collective experience worked well in the cinema. Mm-hmm. But I just feel not really a four, not really 3.5. So that's what I'm going to settle on. <laughs> S- settle, <laughs> settle. Not on 3. quite 3. in the middle, but yeah,
1: nearly somewhere.
0: Engagement score to Joe.
3: I'm giving it a five. I think it's. Oh, wow. I personally think that it's it's not a long film. there's really snappy dialogue between the two main characters who are just great to great to watch on screen, so I think i I personally like didn't feel any state well actually, I'm gonna go back on that like the one stage would be the restarby bit, which I think is perhaps a little disengaging but i I don't think that ruined my overall experience of of the film
0: okay, so you still stick with five, yeah, okay,
2: well. I'm going to be incredibly generous. I'm probably going to give this a four. I mean, it slips down very easily. Um, <laughs> I, I re-watched it in two chunks. I watched an hour and then I was like, oh, I go and do some other things and then I polished off the final half hour the next day. And yeah, it helped my interest very easily. I wasn't looking for an excuse to sort of walk away from the film. But yeah, it goes down very easily. I'd give it a four. Happy to do that.
1: Helen. I am just in shock from the generosity that you've given it. I gave it 4.5. It's not quite a five because the second time round, I think the last part is it's, it kind of drags a little bit. So that's why it's not a perfect five. But yeah, really like it. I really like the soundtrack in it as well. I like the song.
3: Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. I really like that as well. So that was by Monica. That's and yeah. And what song? Um, we're three members from the Phoenix Foundation, who also a new, well, New Zealand-based band that have done some good stuff. So yeah, some really nice electronic eighties. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that on Spotify if it's on there. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put it on our playlist. We'll put it on the playlist definitely. Yeah. I think a bit lower than you guys. I think three point eight. Only in that I could. This is the kind of film I could put on. When I'm half asleep, expecting to kind of doze off during it, because I think I'll just enjoy it while it's going on, and I would not feel like I'm missing out on much if I'm asleep. And but I'll just go back and review it. Does that kind of make sense? What higher compliment can there be? <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't miss out if I'm. not miss out on it if I'm asleep. <laughs> but I think you know what I mean, and that you know it's the kind of thing you can just chill out to. And if you have a nap through it, then <laughs> but it wouldn't be a film that you think, right? I need to stay awake all the time. Tyke if you're listening, I do like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us, yeah, an overall score of 4.1, which is...
1: Quite a high score, really. Yeah.
0: Which doesn't... Does it surprise you it's a high score?
3: Well, I think it no. deserves a high score. Yeah. yeah. And I'm reassured to see that, like, it's it's got, like... As we've established, Will's quite a harsh critic and for it to still be even, 4.1. Even from a grudging miser like me. You midst. couldn't bring it down. Like, <laughs>
1: I think that's kind of 4.1. the film's spirit though, isn't it? That even if you're feeling a little bit kind of cranky, cynical or you know, mm. it, it's just so charming and infectious and warm and...
2: Warms the heart. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't got a bad bone in its Ricky Filmic has. Body. Ricky. Ricky has. Not bad, really. Bad, bad
3: egg. Loitering. <laughs> graffitiing <That> corrugated fence <laughs> not cool not cheap
0: alright guys I think that's yeah
3: Will do you want to sign us off
0: to where well thanks to both of you do a sign up but uh, how can we find you on the internet in the different and um, myriad of guises sure so if you want to check out
2: some of my writing some of Joe's writing or some of if you want to listen to more of Joe talking then uh, you can check out the Exploding Helicopter podcast on itunes stitcher acast all sort of usual places you go for podcasts we also uh, we also still do the written word as well so you can go to our website just put exploding helicopter into a search engine you'll find us and you can follow me on twitter at chopper you can follow me at twitter at joseph clift i think we should also say that you can also see some of joe's uh, filmic work
3: on uh, netflix
0: as
2: well
3: how oh,
0: can you and what, how? You certainly
3: can. <laughs> yeah, I, I was previously an extra for, for a year when I, when I spent time in Canada. And Will is referring to a film that I really hope you never review on this podcast.
0: Which... And what's the name of said film?
2: Currently streaming on Netflix UK.
3: It's, what is it? Um, Dead Rising? Dead Rising. Dead Rising Watchtower, isn't it? Something like
2: that. It's, a, it's an unfortunate computer game. Based series with zombies. Were you a zombie? I was a zombie. Oh. I was
3: uh, oh, wow. I was involved in an overnight shoot where it was freezing cold and yeah, had to had to sort of slow walk to a uh, to a flaming uh, flaming sort of barrel and things like that and had to there was an explosion, had to sort of like be in the aftermath as a uh, as a dead zombie. Who is who is carefully like leaning on his elbow so his face isn't isn't in contact with the extremely cold floor.
0: <laughs> so what was your audition like to be a zombie? Was it just, yeah, you'll do or do you have to do a walk and a moan?
3: <laughs> Actually, we we commented on this uh, before. Um so the director basically sort of gave gave some some direction on like, so we want we want you to be quicker than walking dead zombie, but not twenty-eight days later zombie. <laughs> So, so yeah, some sort of to... some sort of middle middle sort of ground between that. So, yeah. okay. okay, I managed to get one of the plum rolls, which was walking past like some of the like flaming materials, so I kept warm that way. Oh. Well, well, well.
1: First, first zombie on the podcast. So this is uh, this is great.
0: <laughs> thank you.
2: <laughs> it's nice to know you're not discriminating against the undead. <laughs>
0: Why would you? <laughs> All right. Well,
1: thank you for coming on. Yeah, cheers
0: guys, really Thank enjoyed you very it. That's great. Four point one, fantastic film, and see you guys later. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Okay, and that was Hunt for the Wilder people, as chosen by the guys at Exploding Helicopter. That's Will and Joe. Please do connect with them online. All the details for them are in the show notes. And please, you know, tell them that we sent you as well. Tell them that you heard about them through our through Flix podcast, because that's really cool and you know, it's good to share the love. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And of course, we want to big up Tony and Jay, and also Greg, our editors from GL Productions. Of course, please big up Mighty People for the tunes you can hear now. And at the start of the podcast, find us on Twitter at Pod, and visit our website, flixwatcher.tv.